thank you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. <sighs> what I want to talk about today, I want to share six ways of how you can position yourself for greater kingdom impact in 2015. Six ways of how you can position, position yourself for greater kingdom impact. Because we can talk about kingdom impact. We can talk about being excited and moving forward. But there are some practical and specific and intentional things we must do if we intend to be effective on that journey. And so I want to share. And the first one, I've already talked about it, but I wholeheartedly encourage you to participate in a covenant group this year. We start in two weeks, and it'll run for 10 weeks. The sign-up is getting close to being full. Um, so I would encourage you today, if you haven't signed up already, to, to sign up. And, and, but I want to encourage you not only to participate, but to come with an open heart of expectation and expect God to do new things in your life. Expect Him to do new things. You know, small groups is not a new thing. It's been around for a long time. And it's not like we've invented something new, but we're, we're creating an opportunity for God to do some incredible things in our lives. And I believe it begins with relationship. So the purpose, one of the purposes, last week I, I taught on 10 reasons why you should participate. So if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to listen to that. But one of the, one of the purposes is relationship. Going to a deeper level of relationship other than just the, the proverbial, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you be blessed on Sunday mornings. But we want to move to that deeper level. Amen? Amen? So I encourage you to participate. Now, if there's, if there's life circumstances going on that, that, that will not enable you to, that's understandable. It's not like you're going to miss heaven if you don't participate. Well, may, no, just kidding. But, um, but if you can, I would just encourage you to, to participate. Number two. The first thing to position yourself is participate in the covenant group. Number two is basically to get, we need to get our general attitude in check. We need to get our attitudes in check. You know, I've, I've been hearing this phrase uh, more recently. It's probably been around a while, but I begin to, I've been hearing it. And it says, your attitude determines your altitude. Anybody ever heard that before? Your attitude determines your altitude. And sometimes... We can be walking around with a bad attitude. We can be walking around where... Now, it's one thing to, to kind of get frustrated and be discouraged and kind of find yourself in that for a moment. But it's another thing to live in that. In other words, you're characterized by a bad attitude. You're characterized by just discouragement. And, for example, when you're around people, do you add life to them? Do you encourage or do you suck the life out of them? And if you find yourself in that position, because sometimes life circumstances will pound on us relentlessly to where it's like, oh, we're doing everything we can to survive. But the good news is, is you don't have to stay in that condition. If you find yourself in that condition, there's no condemnation. But the good news is, is you do not have to stay in that condition. And I'm not talking about your circumstances. I'm talking about the, the condition of your soul, the, the position of your mindset. We need to develop an attitude of gratitude. You know, the Bible says in uh, 
Philippians 3, 1, it says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Whatever happens, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I believe in one translation it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Or there's somewhere where it says that. I'm not sure if I'm quoting the right scripture. But in other words, we're encouraged to rejoice in, in all circumstances. And how is that possible? If the Bible tells us to do that, then obviously either God is really cruel and he's mean and just setting us up for failure, or if he gives us a command, then he's going to also provide a way for us to be able to fulfill that command. And I believe that he's inviting us and telling us to, that we can rejoice in him always, but I believe he gives us the ability. And I believe a key to that is having a grateful heart. And how that happens is our perspective has to change. And I shared a series on, uh, if you want to go in the archives, it's, it's uh, God is good all the time. Talking about the goodness of God. <clears throat> Even in the midst of horrendous circumstances, when it appears that God is not good, he still is. He's good all the time. And if we begin to focus on, first of all, if you're going through a really hard situation, and let's say that that situation's been going on for several years, and let's say it goes on for several more years. Thank God that we don't have to wait until our circumstances change before we can have a changed heart. But one thing that would help us in that is a change of perspective. And one is changing from a uh, temporal perspective to an eternal perspective. And I shared this example many times, a true story that I've heard about, and it, it so rocked my world and impacted me. And I always think about when I think things get really, really, really difficult for me, I'm reminded of this situation. Of the pastor who was in a very, very aggressively anti-Christian, anti-Christ area. He was a pastor, had a large family. And the people in that area that were anti-Christ and they were persecuting and killing Christians... They uh, came to this man and tried to get him to deny Christ, and he wouldn't. So they started with his, children, his youngest baby and killed the baby, very brutally killed the baby. Said, deny Christ, and he says, I can't do that. And so he worked, he killed, they killed all his children. Boom, boom, killed them, murdered them right there in front of his eyes, and even killed his wife. And left this man, he would not deny Christ. Left this man there. I mean, can you imagine? No, we cannot imagine what that would be like. But for this man, because logically and understandably, we'd expect this man just to, just to dissolve in a heap of ruin, of just total despair. And I know, not personally, but just that he had, um, had some strong emotional discouragement. I mean, you can't go through the losing the love of your life and, and not have any kind of hit on your soul in a, in, a, in a horrible way. But what I learned later is this man continued to not only preach the gospel, but to raise the dead, to heal the sick, cast out devils. And why that means so much to me is because it is possible to, go, to continue to go through the motions of Christianity after you've been through hardship. Been there, done that. 
It's possible to do that. But just going through the motions is not going to produce that kind of fruit. So for him to go through that kind of a tragedy and then to somehow be able to move forward with power and passion and to see people's lives impacted shows me that he did not allow that circumstance and that situation, that horrendous situation to stop him and to sour his heart towards God. And I believe that the only way that can happen is for him to have an eternal perspective. For him to realize, you know what, I will see my family again. His perspective had to be on heaven. It had to be on eternity. Otherwise, he would have been totally ruined. Same thing for us. If our focus is on the temporal, we will be undone. And it won't take that much to do that. So we have to put our heart on heaven. Philippians 4.8 says, Now, brothers, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There's an intentionality to that. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. See, Many of us are fixing, well, actually, all of us fix our thoughts on something. Using that, that man, again, as an illustration, if he fixed his thoughts, now I'm sure he thought about it at times. I mean, he couldn't be human and not, but I'm sure. And probably at times he was overcome with grief for the loss of his family. I'm sure he went through some emotional stuff. I mean, he had to, unless he was a robot. But if he, if he landed there and fixed his thoughts on that and stayed there, there's no way he would have been able to move forward. So I believe he fixed his thoughts on something else, on the kingdom. It had to be the kingdom because he kept pursuing the kingdom and advancing the kingdom. We have the same invitation. Matter of fact, right there it tells us, now brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on. And it tells us what is true what is true? This circumstance is temporal. This circumstance is hard. It's very devastating. But the truth is, I will be with him forever. The truth is, a hundred years from now, this circumstance will not mean that much. Think about it. A hundred years from now, what you're going through right now really won't mean that much. So we have to to change our perspective. That one truth right there has made such an impact in my life. That has caused me to be able to start moving forward again because I found myself stuck because I was focusing on the wrong thing. I was fixing my thoughts on the defeats, on the why didn't it happen, on the we prayed and prayed and we fasted and we believed and it didn't happen. And I was fixing my thoughts on that and guess what? I was stuck. But I choose to become unstuck and to move forward. So number one, participate in covenant groups. Number two, we need to have our general attitude. We need to get it in check. Our perspective must change. Number three, if you want to move forward,
we must remove the major obstacles of our soul. Now, there are lots of obstacles, but I'm talking about the major ones, namely bitterness and unforgiveness. If you want to move forward and you want to be a dispenser of hope, if you want to move passionately and intentionally and aggressively in the adventure that God is calling you and I to, but you're holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness, guess what? You will not be able to. At best, you'll be able to go through the motions. Bitterness and unforgiveness. Unfortunately, in the church, bitterness, forgiveness, unforgiveness, all that kind of, it's been talked about so much that it's become a cliche word, it's become a buzzword, it's yeah, yeah. And so what happens is we agree with it because we do agree with it. If I had took a poll, every single one of us would say, yes, I agree, I believe in that, sign me up. And we think that because we agree with it and believe in it, then we become immune from that situation or that condition. And we think, well, I have forgiven. I'm not bitter. You know, the story in Matthew chapter 18. Talks about the story of the man who owed the king a whole bunch of money. Millions and millions of dollars. And there was time for him to pay his debt. He couldn't, so the king was about to throw him in jail. And torture him. And the thing was, he would have stayed in jail until the debt was paid. So probably would have been his whole life. And he begged for mercy. The king had compassion. And he says, okay, I forgive you of all that debt. I forgive him. And then the man went out and he found someone who owed him about $50. And he said, hey, pay up, buddy. It's time to pay. And he says, I don't have it. Would you please give me time? Would you forgive me? And he says, nope. And he threw him in jail. Says, nope, you're going to go in jail until you pay me my money. And then, of course, the king found out about it. Wasn't too excited and happy about the decision that he made. And so the man was thrown into prison. And it says in verse 33, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And this is what Jesus said, very, a very strong Hard verse. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. <clears throat> I know in the past I've tried to water this down. Well, maybe it means, it doesn't necessarily mean just what it says right there. And however you break it down and want to change and manipulate the Greek or the Hebrew or Arab, whatever, it's still a hard verse. Angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured. And here's one thing I get out of that. When I have unforgiveness and bitterness in my heart, the tormentors are released in my life to bring havoc. Torment. My soul being vexed and being tormented by fear, anxiety, stress, restlessness, and just this torture. And people don't realize that they're being tortured. And the root, the problem is unforgiveness and bitterness. You know, I was thinking earlier, you know, like Superman. And let's say you saw him and he was walking 
And he had this little, little green little pin on his chest right there. And he saw me, walked up to him and said, hey, Superman, you don't look so good. What's up? And he's like, man, I haven't been feeling good. I haven't been able to fly much lately. That last bullet that hit me kind of hurt. And he just hasn't been feeling good. And he's like, what's that on your chest? And he said, oh, it, a, a friend gave it to me. What is it? Oh, it's just a little pin, a little bit of kryptonite. Now, maybe Superman hasn't seen all of his movies, so he didn't know. But you, being a comic book buff and seeing the movies, you know that kryptonite is not good for Superman, right? And you're like, hey, Superman, you need to, you need to get rid of that pen. You need, that's, that's not good for you. And he's like, well, well, someone that I trust gave it to me. It's like Superman. If you want to be able to fly again, dude, you got to get rid of the pen. Maybe you've been... Betrayed by someone you trust. And you're wearing that little kryptonite pin. And for whatever reason, you won't get rid of it. And you wonder why you can't fly. You know, I've been hearing lately of, of people who, um, we have a ministry here at New Covenant Fellowship. It's Father's Heart Ministry. And I am so appreciative of that ministry because it has impacted me dramatically. And I thought, I remember when we, when Lisa and I were going to, to go through the prayer ministry and everything, I was just going just to see if there was anything in there, just in case I wanted to get it worked out, you know. Because I didn't think there was any stuff in my soul that was really bad. Because I'm not, I don't have issues. Man, I went to that session. Woo, I got tore up. I had issues. It's like, I didn't know I had those issues. And I had more issues than I realized. And they were deeper than I thought. But I was, I wasn't fixed but I was given a tool to know how to deal with those. How to truly repent, how to forgive, how to repent of the judgments. See, there's more to forgiveness than we realize. It's not just forgive. Okay, I forgive. There's more to it than that. There's other stuff attached. We might have forgiven, but if we haven't done the whole package, so to speak, there's still stuff that we're, that's causing us to be stuck. And I've learned some incredible truths through Father's Heart Ministry. That's why we endorse it so much. It's not a quick fix by any means. But it is something that will help you. The prayer ministry is very impactful. And then it gives you tools to help you to not only overcome the stuff, but when you encounter future stuff, because you will. Every day you have the opportunity to be bitter. Every single day. If you don't believe me, just get in the car and start driving down the road. But it, it, it provides tools to help us overcome the unforgiveness, the, the, the um, offenses that come to our, towards us. And if we don't know how to deal with that, if we don't deal with it correctly, then we got all these arrows stuck in us with little poison in them. And we're just letting them hang in us and then it's poisoning our soul. And it's killing us. So I appreciate I've been hearing lately more and more people in our church saying, you know, grabbing the, the packets, the, um, 
What do you call it, Stevens? Life history forms. The book you got to fill out. But it, in other words, they're saying, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm scared. You know, a lot of us think, if I don't look in the closet, I don't have to deal with the closet. But the closet is sucking the life out of you. Time to empty our closet. And I appreciate those that I've come across recently grabbing the packets and saying, I'm going to Father's Heart. Oh, did I tell you I'm going to Father's Heart Ministry? It's like, praise God. And these aren't messed up people. You know, people who you look at, it's like, it's about time. (laughs) So I encourage you. And you know, and I've shared this before, but this is a, a story in my life that it was the roughest time back then. I've been through other rough stuff, but this I found myself in a situation where I was becoming very bitter towards some people. And you know when you're bitter, when, when you daydream about hurting people. <laughs> you know, you hear me talking about daydreaming? And when you fantasize of ways to kill or, or maim or whatever, you know you got some issues. Okay, just a hint. Okay? And I found myself in that, that situation. That I, There was a couple of people in particular that I would, my soul was at the place where I would love to have seen them go to hell. And I'm dead serious. The circumstances, I, I, I was part of a ministry. A friend of mine who had a ministry to um, sex offenders convicted sex offenders. He would help them out. When they came out of prison, he'd give them a place to live, to train them, teach them a craft, a trade, how to build houses, how to build cabinets, and that kind of thing. I got involved in that ministry. Incredible ministry. I just loved this man. He just loved these guys. These guys were my brothers, and it was, it was just awesome. I was on the board. I was the vice president. This brother got sick, very sick, ended up dying, but when he got very sick, all of a sudden, Mr. VP became Mr. P, Mr. President. And I did not sign up for that. That was not my intention. My intention was to serve him and help him. And I didn't mind that other than the fact that when this man got sick, some of his siblings, well, two of his siblings, no, not siblings, offspring, his kids, adult kids, they're about my age. They, uh, this whole ministry that he had, he had some land. They saw money, dollar signs, and you know how you hear when people are dying, when parents are dying or whatever, the kids come like vultures, you know, in the, bad circum- in the bad cases, they come looking for the money. Well, that's what this was. They came looking for the money. They didn't know there was no money. Matter of fact, it was all upside down, about four, dollars $500,000 in debt. And our goal, what he wanted was for this ministry because he, in my heart, he did everything he could to help these men. And so going into major debt, just to help him buy time, because I guess he kept thinking, I can just hold on a little longer so these men have a place to stay. Because people who have been, are registered sex offenders, they don't have many options, places to live. I'm not asking you to feel sorry for him, I'm just saying that's just the fact. So he provided a place for them. These people wanted to come in and take it all away and shut down the ministry and get the money. I wouldn't mind them having a ministry at all. I was like, you can have it. But this brother's intention, his heart was, he said, could we get this ministry turned over to a bigger ministry that did the same thing? 
we can get it over to them so these men could be taken care of. Because if the ministry was dissolved, these men would be on the streets, which means many, many of them would have been back in prison. So here I was in the middle of this, and all of a sudden, these people begin to try to sue, try to take over. They turn me into adult protective services, saying I was taking advantage of their dad. And they even turned his wife in, too, so we're being investigated. Like, what? Doing the right thing, not doing anything wrong, I was in trouble. I was being investigated by the government. Well, we were exonerated, the, trop, the presses, you know, the charges, all that stuff was dropped because I realized this was ludicrous, it was dumb. Then they took us to court, all this stuff. And I remember early on in this, when I felt the heat building up, the pressure was building, I could have jumped out. People, other people in that ministry were jumping out. They saw the writing on the wall, they were abandoning ship. I'm out of here. And I remember the Lord asking me, he said, will you stay in this situation and allow me to work through you? I was like, dang it, why did you have to ask me that? Because I wanted to say no. But I said, yes, I will. And so after that, it got harder and harder and harder. The, the, the um, court stuff, I'd never been involved in anything like this in my life. And the thing was, I was the president of this ministry. So guess what? Everything was pointing at me. And because things weren't necessarily set up right and everything, my family was in jeopardy. I mean, all my stuff, personal stuff, was in jeopardy. It wasn't like it's supposed to be where the corporation or the ministry, you can sue the ministry, but the individuals are protected. It wasn't like that. I mean, this was scary stuff. This was really scary stuff. And these two people were the cause of it. So now you understand the reason why the daydreaming about, anyway. And I just began, and every time I would think of this circumstance, and you couldn't help it. You've been in those situations where every, every waking moment, your mind is just playing these tapes over and over and over, and all you can think about is the circumstance. You wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, and you want to go back to sleep, but you can't because the, the recorder turns on, and it starts playing that tape. So you toss it and turn it and your stomach hurts. When you think about it, your stomach hurts and you're just getting angry and angry and frustrated. Now, I know you haven't been anything like that, but someone you know might have. And I was just so angry, these people. And then I remember one time the Lord, when he said, are you ready to invite me in? I was like, <laughs> Because, you know, even though I was angry, there's some, this is weird and I can't explain it, but there's some kind of a satisfaction that comes with being angry and being bitter. And I can't explain that. That is weird. You kind of feel sorry for yourself, so you're kind of licking your own wounds and nursing yourself. And someone says, can I help you? No, this is my mess. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? It didn't make any sense. From the person looking, from the outside observer looking in, they're like, are you kidding there are, you can get out of that mess. No, leave me alone. And I was kind of in that situation, licking my wounds and frustrated and angry. And, and then the Holy Spirit said, are you ready to invite me in to allow me to help you with this? And I didn't answer right away. And I said, yeah. <laughs> Just like, oh, no, I'm scared. But it's like, what's the alternative? Stay in this mess or trust him to do something better? I said, Yes. And then he took me to Matthew chapter 
5, verse 43 through 45. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. He said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. I read those verses many, many times. And I knew where he was going with this. And that's why I was resistant. He was requiring me to start blessing and praying for those people. The ones that I wanted to go to hell. He wanted me to bless them. So out of obedience, I did. I started praying for them. He said, no, what he said was, every time you think of them, I want you to begin to, throw, to bless them and pray for them. It's like... Every time I think of them, I mean, I can do once a day, you know, I get up in the morning, okay, God, get them, I mean, God, bless them. But he said, every time you think of, it, of him, of them, and later I understood what he was doing. So I began to pray for him. I remember when I first started out, Father, I just pray for so-and-so and just pray to you, bless him, uh, you know, uh, you know that. My heart wasn't in it. And then he, he's, he's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, you pray for them like you'd want someone to be praying for you. If you were lost, you pray for them like you would want someone to pray for you. Okay, so I began to pray for him again. Pray for him, pray for him. And I was praying for him a lot because I was thinking about the situation a lot. Then it got to where I was trying not to think about the situation because I didn't want to pray for him. Anyway, as I began to pray for them, 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 pray for them. Something began to happen, which surprised me. My heart began to turn towards them. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Then my prayers began to change, where I began to cry out and literally cry. I was crying out, saying, God, have mercy on them. Jesus, I pray that they would become overwhelmed with your love, that they would realize how much you love them. Suffocate them. Yeah. With your love. And I mean, almost to the beat in your chest kind of passionate prayer. That's what was happening. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, I was literally crying for them. I wanted them to know Jesus and be overwhelmed with his love. And guess what happened? I began to fall in love with these people. When I would think of them... The bitterness was gone. I was free. And when I think of them to this day, there's no bitterness. See, they never came and apologized, repented. The Lord wonderfully worked that situation out. They lost. We won the case. The ministry got transferred into the bigger ministry. These guys still have a place to stay. They're not all on the street. The victory was won. They never came and said, you know, we were so wrong how we treated you. Never. But my heart towards them was changed. And I am free. And I love my freedom. I love it. And when I choose to embrace his grace, then I can continue to walk in that freedom. 
And that's what he's making available to us. Grace. And if someone says, well, what's grace? Think of Popeye spinach. For those of you who used to watch Popeye when you were kids, some of your younger ones are like, who's Popeye? Popeye was a sailor, had a girlfriend named Olive Oil, and his bad, his, the bad guy was either Pluto or Brutus. Brutus. Now, Pluto, never mind, different cartoon. <laughs> Brutus. Yeah. Been a while since I watched those episodes. And every time Papa would get beat up and everything and get overwhelmed by Brutus, and then all of a sudden that can of spinach would pop out. He'd squeeze a can, spinach in his mouth, muscles, gun, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then poor Brutus gets wiped out. And to me, that's what grace is like. It gives us strength and the ability to do what God requires of us. It gives us the ability to forgive our enemies. It gives us the ability to love our enemies. To love them. Not just tolerate, but to literally love them with the love of God. That's what His grace does. And the Bible says, do not resist the great resist the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness spring up in you and defile many around you. When I, when I resist the grace and allow bitterness in my life to spring up, it will defile the people around me. It will impact them. It will infect them. It will affect them, especially those who are closest to me, whether I want it to or not. Now, of course, I wouldn't want it to, but it will. Thus saith the word of God. But the cool thing is, is his grace is available. Because it says, do not resist the grace of God, which means it's available. He, gives, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I have to humble myself. And then in my act of humility was when the Lord said, are you ready to invite me in? I struggled for a minute. Because my pride, I wanted to hang on to that resentment. I wanted to hang on to it. But I was willing to say, Lord, I need your help. Yes, I invite you in. Then he began to do his work. But it required humility for me to embrace the grace. It requires humility for you to embrace the grace. And the purpose of that grace is for you to be able to forgive and you to be free. Everybody say free. free. You know, that's what God's desire for you and me is, is freedom. My favorite saying, and I'm sure everybody who's seen this movie, remember the famous thing at the end, William Wallace what did he say at the end when he screamed? Freedom. With all his, I mean, his guts were hanging out of him, so he, he didn't have any guts left, so it wasn't with all his guts, but the top of his voice, he screamed freedom. Of course, he gave up his life for freedom. Jesus gave up his life for our freedom. So why wouldn't we want to walk in the freedom that he gave up his life for? This is important. Amen? I said I had six. I'm not going to go through all six. Well, maybe I'll just mention them. Did I say you need to participate in covenant groups? Did I mention that? Oh, okay. Just making sure. For some reason, I have it written down twice in my notes. Hmm. One thing I'm, oh, I'm going to touch on this real quick, and I want to get to the last one. 
something that I encourage you to do, that I believe we need to do to move forward to greater effectiveness, is giving and sowing financially into his kingdom. Giving gives you an opportunity to experience the reality and miraculous provision of God in this very important area of your life. If you think you can grow fully in Christ and think that you can at the same time avoid or neglect this area, you are deceived and mistaken. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added. I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to bring up the area, the issue of money. Of course, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it because, one, I don't have a lot of time. But he just wanted to bring this to your attention if this is an area that he's wanting to encourage and challenge you with. You know, taking up offerings or, you know, TV preachers get a bad rap because it's all about the money. You know, and obviously things have been taken out of context. Things have been abused and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues, that's been taken out of context and abused as well. So am I going to quit preaching on that? Am I going to quit believing in that? In that? Am I going to quit encouraging people to be filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? No. Just because people abuse something, abuse a truth, doesn't mean that we are not supposed to still participate in that truth. An area of money, which is a very significant part of our lives. Money is very significant in our lives. And if we're not careful, and we think we can reserve this area, okay, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do all this stuff, but the money, no, that's mine. Hold on to it you will not be able to grow up into the fullness of Christ. Because there is so much obedience attached to that. There is so much that the Lord encourages us through his word as far as giving financially. I'm speaking specifically about finances. And there's so much when you do not participate in regular giving to the local church, to ministries, when you do not participate in that, you are robbing yourself of incredible opportunities to experience the manifestation of his power in incredible ways. When you see God, when you have a need, I have this need, X amount of dollars, and you have no way of meeting that need, and then you're praying and trusting God, and God meets that need, especially when it's the exact amount. Talking about blowing you away? That's incredible. It's like, dude, you're real, aren't you? But when you hold back, you say, well, I'll give when I can afford it. <laughs> Not too many of us can afford to. And if you wait until you can afford to, you're missing out. Now, I know that can be taken out of context. And I don't really have a lot of time to develop that thought, so you might want to maybe push it aside unless you understand what I'm saying. But I just want to encourage you, in 2015, if you've struggled with the area of giving or you haven't given, regularly, I encourage you, study out the scriptures, talk to the Lord, say, Lord, what are you saying? What do I need to do in this area? And the Bible talks about needs being met through the Christian's giving, talks about miracles happening, and the main thing is what happens in your life when you begin to trust God in this area. I remember last month, which was Christmas month, and 
may, may sound kind of crazy, but I um, kept forgetting to tithe. I tithe, I give regularly. I kept forgetting, kept forgetting, and then all of a sudden I had this thought. Oh, no, it was probably the early, maybe around the 10th, something like that. And I thought, oh, no, if I don't give this money, then what's going to happen? The temptation that might overwhelm me is when I start focusing on the Christmas needs and all that stuff, I may be tempted to use this money to meet those needs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you know what I did? I hurried up, got online, (laughs) and gave. Because it's like, I want to put myself in a position of being able to trust him. If I come up short for Christmas or whatever, I wanted to be in a place of trusting him and not using what I would normally give to take care of these needs. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but that's where I was. This was last month. And here's the crazy thing. I heard and tithe. It wasn't out of fear that God was going to get me. It wasn't out of the fear of the, the devourer get me. It wasn't that. I used to think that way a couple of years ago. I'm not there anymore. It was, God, I just want to trust you in this area of my life. I want to continue to trust you. So I gave. Boom. And then guess what? I was short. I didn't have enough money to meet some of the needs and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And guess what he decided to do? Blow me away with his provision. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You're real, aren't you? It was amazing. It was incredible. It was awesome. Because I got to be reminded of how good he is. I got to be reminded of how much he cares for me and my family. And the last thing I want to encourage you with, well, I don't know if I've said five or six, but you must, in 2015, if you're not, and if you haven't in the past, you have to be in the word regularly. And that was a whole point I was going to develop. I don't have time to develop now, but I will in another point, another time. You have to get in the Word. If you, uh, there are online, you can, because this is what I'm, matter of fact, what I'm doing right now is online, doing the Bible through in a year, doing the chronological. I used to do this one, and I said, oh, I'm going to try this one. There are incredible programs that show you every day what you're supposed to read. Whatever you do, get in the Word daily. Get in the Word daily. Because your mind, the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by watching lots of TV. (laughs) Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's not just getting in the closet and thinking happy thoughts. Thinking happy thoughts. No. What you use to renew your mind is the Word of God. And let me tell you this. I believe the Holy Spirit spoke this to me on my way here. If I'm not allowing the word to transform my mind, then I will be conformed to this world. Plain and simple. So to the extent that I'm not allowing the the word to transform my soul is to the extent that I'm allowing this world to conform me. And then when it comes to me making important decisions, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what makes sense to my logical mind. And that could be the wrong decision. I'm going to do what's popular, what man says I ought to do. If I were to ask somebody, what should I do in this situation? These people have turned me into adult protective services. They're trying to room, they're all, what should I do? Dude, you need, to, you need to sue them. You need to take them out. You need to, I mean, logical 
wisdom. What did Jesus say? Love them. What? The word is totally contrary to the way we think. But the word brings life and it brings freedom. Death or freedom. There's a way that seems right to man, but that way leads to... Let's stand together, please. Oh, yeah, there's one point I wanted to make. Participate in covenant groups. Just in case I forgot. I'm going to invite the ministry team to come up. I'm going to create an opportunity for miracles to happen. If you have conditions going on in your body, if maybe something that was shared today, maybe something struck a chord and it's like, man, I really need grace. I need grace in this situation. I am stuck. I'm hurting. I'm whatever. And you just need someone to line up with you and help you pray for or through a situation. I just want to invite you to come up and just let these people love on you and pray with you, okay? And even in a physical situation, even if you've been prayed for before, if you don't have the full manifestation yet, go for it. Keep going for it. Keep going for it. Ben Elliott kept going for it. He kept praying, receiving prayer. Pastor CJ, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? And guess what he got? He got some new cartilage in his knees without the doctors doing anything. He got some new stuff from heaven. So let's go for it, okay? Father, we just thank you for your goodness, and we love you. We thank you that you love us. You are so cool. You're so awesome. And we thank you that your ways, even though they're higher than our ways, you invite us to participate in your ways and therefore experience freedom and victory healing, peace, and all the good stuff that you made available. We choose to line up with you. We love you and we thank you, Father, for your goodness today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last thing I want to encourage you with, please come forward to receive prayer. If not, then I would ask you to take your fellowship out in the hallway. Stay as long as you want and just fellowship. That way the people who are ministering can hear each other, okay? God bless you. Have an incredible week, and we'll see you guys next time. Mm -hmm.